and this is another big tangly mess that we get involved in is feeling as though we are responsible for everybody else's emotions and happiness. And we're not. I say all the time that putting everybody else first is poison masked as nobility. Welcome, you're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and truths from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or fitness and fat loss to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Hey everyone, you're on air with Ella, and today my guest is the joy junkie, Amy E. Smith. She's a confidence coach and a personal empowerment expert, and I cannot wait to dig deep with Amy today. Hey Amy, welcome to the show. Yeah, I have been looking forward to this all day. Well, I said that you were a confidence coach and a personal empowerment expert, Amy, but what does that mean? What does that really mean? Well, I think sort of the nucleus of what I do is I help people truly stand up for who they are without being uh, dicks about it, you know, without being (laughs) awful, you know, and I think that's something we're going to talk about a lot of the fallacy that so many of us are bought into about what it means if we are forthright with our opinions and our thoughts. So my work is primarily twofold. It is looking at that internal component, which we'll discuss today, like what is it about who we are that makes us think our voice isn't valid or that we need to people please, or we can't say no or let people down. All of the stuff that happens internally and then the external component of, okay, if I'm going to say no, if I'm going to decline an invite, if I'm going to do that, how do I do it? And so I work on a lot of communication tools and tactics as well. Okay. I love that because there's a lot of people out there that say they can help you with X, Y, Z. And the truth is they might get you motivated, but it's like handing the keys to a Ferrari to somebody and not telling them how to drive it at all. So they get in and And they grind the gears and give up. That's exactly right. And I, I teach very much the way in which I learn. I like very tangible tactical, implementable steps. So, okay. Cause I love talking about confidence primarily just because I want everybody to have some. And sure. what I really want to get into today is I want to get into how to say no, how to establish boundaries, how to speak up and stand up for yourself without coming off as a complete jerk. Yep. <laughs> okay. I love it. Why is this a problem? Like talk to me about the type of people that you work with and why do we find it? And this, by the way, this is not always on gender lines. I say women have a much harder time saying no than men do if we were speaking in generalities, but wow, do I know a lot of men who would fall into this category depending on the person or the context. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. We just, men are conditioned in our society just to not talk about it, you know? Okay, why do we have such a hard time saying no? Well, okay, so first thing, I think we need to give ourselves some extreme compassion, and I like to call this kind of the human hall pass, in understanding that we are biologically and physiologically wired for connection. I mean, even if we look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, one of them is the sense of belonging. And historically, we can look back, you know, in days of like the hunter-gatherer, if you did not belong to a tribe, if you did not belong, if you were not accepted, that meant death. I mean, that meant demise. 
So it is a huge piece of our survival mechanism to search out acceptance. Now, the problem with the the evolution process is now if we are not accepted into a group, it doesn't mean death. However, we still respond really similarly. There's a lot of stuff we don't need. So we don't need to be afraid of not belonging, but it's almost like we haven't quite caught up to our conscious mind yet. Amy, that is an excellent point. I never really thought about it that way. What do we do with it? Like we're primarily, primarily wired to almost care what other people think of us, especially in terms of our ability to form a connection or not. That makes sense. So are we fighting an uphill battle? Like what, what do we do? No, not necessarily. So the reason I bring up compassion is because this is a piece of our self-talk, right? How we speak about things in our own mind. So if you're going out and going, oh, I wish I would have said that to my mom or I wish I would have spoken up to my boss or I wish I would have said this or that, then you beat yourself up. I want everybody out there to know that there's actually a real reason why you have that pull. And now that we have such consciousness, now we can choose something different. So I would say for for everybody listening to really start looking at where does your silence make you a liar? Because <laughs> that's oh, that's interesting. And it's usually the stuff that you tolerate without speaking up. And it's usually the stuff that you can't wait to come to somebody else who's not involved. So, you know, for instance, if you are, let's say you're a man who has a challenging relationship with your mother, let's say, and you know that she's coming to town and it freaks your wife out and it's always this whole runaround and who gets the brunt of it? Probably your wife, right? Like you get to complain and tell her why she's so awful and God, when we were kids, she did this and, but you don't tell her. So it can be a really great place to look at just what do I complain about? Because chances are whatever you're complaining about, there's opportunity for you to start giving voice to some of the stuff that you're just scared to speak up about. So what do you tolerate and complain about to someone else, essentially? Yes. And this is actually a huge, this is a great gateway to start talking about boundaries. If you'd like for me to kind of elaborate on the chronology of establishing a boundary, like let's say we still have this same circumstance, you know, mom's coming to visit, the man is always totally on edge. All right. So again, it would be first, first place is awareness always, because unless we create the awareness around it, we just think our life sucks or look at all this that's happening to me. And we don't actually analyze what is my role in the matter. So first place is looking at either what am I tolerating or what am I complaining about? And that will typically give you insight into something that is amiss, something that's not working for you, right? And everybody can think of an example of that in their own lives, I'm sure. Well, I tell my clients all the time, I'm like, would any of our conversation be a surprise to your sister or your spouse or whoever they're complaining about? And they're like, oh yeah, they have no idea. I'm like, then that's on you. They're not just going to magically fulfill your needs. So it's about learning how to actually speak up and also knowing that we're not taught that. I mean, from a very early age, it's like people start to cry and we say, don't cry. Oh my God. We get all uncomfortable with emotion. We say, you know, don't speak up, don't rock the boat. So knowing that we, we operate under so much 
opposite information. So that's one thing to just give yourself some compassion that this is not an overnight switch. So once you figured out, okay, here's what I complain about all the time. The first thing around establishing a boundary is to really be clear about what you are asking and making it as quantifiable as possible. So let's say this guy who we've been referencing, let's say every time his mom comes to visit, he gets super freaked out and he takes it out on his wife a lot. And it's all around her being overbearing, wanting to buy the kids stuff, wanting telling him, oh, you, we need to take them to this place or we need to do this type of a dinner and just kind of flexing her weight, right? Okay, the mom, the grandma. Yes, the grandma. Okay. Right. The first item of business in any boundary is to decide what exactly am I asking of this person? Because if you say something like in a romantic partnership, like I need more romance. Okay, well, what does that look like? Or I need more help around the house. What does that mean? You know, like setting goals. If you're like, I want to be more fit. Really? Is that going to work? I mean, you have to... (laughs) here's what I'm going to do about it. So getting really, really clear. So maybe he's saying, I would like if you don't bring up anything around getting the kids baptized. You know, maybe that's the point of contention. It's a very specific. It, and it could be anything, but you have to identify that or else you're asking somebody to toe the line to a boundary that they're, they don't even know how to do it. Right. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Like setting them up for success. Right. So being really clear. And then the second piece is you actually have to deliver the boundary. You can't just establish it and hope they read your mind. So that involves using your words, which for many of us is the hardest part. You know, that's what's scary. So saying in a very kind, compassionate way, hey, mom, I understand that you feel very, very strongly about the kids being baptized. My wife and I have already chosen, as you know, to follow X, Y, or Z faith. And it would mean so much to us if you did not bring that up during your upcoming visit. Okay. And then what about on the spot when you have to enforce your boundaries, otherwise they fall apart in real time? Oh yeah, absolutely. And so, and then that would be the third piece is whatever you delivered, you have to enforce it. So it's not enough to just say, hey, mom, I'm not going to tolerate this any longer. And then once you come to visit and she makes a comment, you let it go by the wayside. You know, it's like, no, no, you have to say, mom, I've I've asked you repeatedly not to bring that up. If you do, then I'm going to ask you to leave the room. Well, it's funny that you bring this up, Amy, because a lot of people talk about how they're trying to live healthier lives and how a lot of people around them in their close family circles are either just resistant to it, snarky about it, or just downright sort of sabotage those efforts. Does that make sense? And so I think that a lot of people can relate to this on that issue and their families either mocking them or, or takes the kids out and gives the kids, you know, whatever fast food they want. And I hear this type of conflict all the time. And these steps that you're articulating, if we use that as the example, the first one is to say, what do you tolerate and complain about to someone else? So that's the issue. Mm-hmm. Number two would be be clear about what you're asking. So you could say to said family, 
family member very specifically, look, this really is my domain and I, this is what I want. And I would ask you that while you disagree or have a different opinion that you would respect that this is how I'm raising my kids and not interfere and not be snarky about it, whatever specific boundary works for you. And then in the moment you reinforce it, you enforce it. So that really what that means in essence is that you don't stay quiet when somebody steps over the boundary. That's usually what's hardest for us. Like we get so pumped up and so excited. Like, okay, I'm finally going to tell my mom, or I'm finally going to ask my husband for what I really need. And you do it. And then you're not prepared to enforce it. So the next time it comes up, you let it just like sweep under the rug or like being vocal again over and over and over again is the, is the enforcing. And it, it also means, um, being really vigilant about whatever that consequence is. And sometimes it's really minimal, you know, but I've, I've had conversations with my mom where I'm like, okay, you know, that I find that offensive. If you continue to speak like that, I'm going to need to get off the phone. Mm -hmm. And it's not because I'm belligerent. It's because I love Amy a lot. And I value Amy's opinion as much or really more so than really anybody else <laughs> because it's my life. You know, I think selfish has gotten a really bad rap. And I like to say selfish is the new black because we operate most of the time trying to please everyone else. And it's at a severe cost to who we are. Wow. You're touching on so much there. So to wrap up the enforcement, what yep. I'm not hearing you say is I'm not hearing you say, be a jerk. Use this as an opportunity to flex your ego muscle. Oh, um, I'm not hearing you say like, get off on the power that it gives you to make that person feel small in the moment. Cause that's not what you're talking about. Right. Well, <laughs> that comes from an either or place. That's like a, someone wins, someone loses mentality at like a place of lack and scarcity instead of of looking at it of, and this is another big tangly mess that we get involved in, is feeling as though we are responsible for everybody else's emotions and happiness. And we're not. We're not? No. I mean, we're taught <laughs> that we are. That's, we cannot actually make somebody happy. I mean, think about it. Like I can give the same delivery, the same boundary to my husband, to my mom and to my best friend. One person might think it's phenomenal. The other person might hurl guilt at me and make me wrong. And the other person might be totally ambivalent, like well, whatever. But if I'm trying to make how all of that information lands perfectly, make everybody else happy, first of all, I'm being a liar because I'm not being authentic. And I'm taking on responsibility for stuff that's not my responsibility. It's my responsibility to show up with integrity and be the woman I want to be. And the woman I want to be is not biting, is not flexing the ego, is not let me make you feel by my choices. It is, hey, I love myself and I love you. But at this particular juncture, I'm choosing self-care, you know, and here's what I need. To, and, I, and I've done this repeatedly over and over in my own life. And it's hard. It's, it's definitely counterintuitive to a lot of stuff we've been taught. Well, let's talk about why it's hard for a minute. And so you've just made a brilliant connection. You've said that one reason that you're able to have boundaries and enforce them is because you like you and like you yeah. care about, you care about what you think and you care about your values and you care about your opinion and you're protective of them, of those things. So is that the missing link for some of us? Like for some people who are just 
violently like they're wide-eyed at these concepts <laughs> we're sharing with them right now is that because they're struggling with valuing their own opinion absolutely it's all around your own belief that's it it is and essentially when you choose to put everybody else ahead of you you are saying this is what you are saying through your behavior your wants desires and needs are more important than my wants desires and needs i don't know how more blatantly obvious it is that you don't value yourself I say all the time that putting everybody else first is poison masked as nobility. We think it's noble. It's not. It's lying. It's saying my only validity is if all these other people are happy and like me. That's my worth. That's completely external. You would be hard pressed to find somebody that it'd be challenging to find somebody who really, really loved themselves, felt truly confident, honored their own self-worth, who still had a really hard time speaking up. What do you say to the person who says, well, I do lack in confidence and I'm not comfortable. So what, I'm screwed? No. Oh my gosh. So I'm so glad you brought this up. So the reason why I'm so emphatic about this <laughs> is because I have not always been this way. And I had to go through a very sordid journey. I mean, I had my entire self-worth enveloped by everyone else. What I looked like on paper, accomplishments. It was not at all about loving Amy at all. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about this work now is I was in that place where I thought there is no way. And every opportunity to be mean to myself was every time there was a mirror and I could just pick apart everything about myself, constant comparison. So I want you to know that all of this stuff is baby steps, is baby steps. It is about acknowledging where your sticking points are. So for instance, if you're listening and you're going, oh my God, I have so much of my self-worth wrapped up in my relationship to my mom or in my job, or if I'm not a parent, I'm no one. Okay, great. That is the first step. You just realize something because some people will live their entire lives thinking that their worth is contingent on acceptance from everybody else. Mm -hmm. So at least you're shining the light on that a little bit and going, okay, here's my sticking point. It's the same way like, oh, Okay, gluten doesn't work with me. Awesome. Now I know. Now I can search out mm -hmm. things that work for my system. So it's it's amazing. So now it's going, okay, how do I start fostering self-worth? Do I need to see a therapist, a coach, do an online class, read a book about it, audiobook, podcast? It's about here's where I want to grow, and now I'm going to search out that learning. Well, in understanding something really profound that you said that martyrdom is Talk about being selfish. Martyrdom at the end of the day <laughs> is entirely selfish. And what we call selfishness, which is self-focusedness or self-care, yeah. um, to me is arguably the more noble path. <laughs> Martyrdom is still making it all about you. That's exactly right. And you're also permanently locked into victimhood because you can't be better. Your life can't be happy unless... So-and-so gets their together. Your husband starts cleaning up around the house. Your mom gets off your back about having another baby. Like if you're a victim, you're stuck and you're powerless. You can't do anything about it if you are attached to that. So again, if that's you, congratulations. You just realized it. Now you can change the trajectory. That's incredibly powerful. Women particularly struggle with speaking up when they feel that something isn't right. Like, I feel like we're all like that in middle school. 
<laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> like nobody wants to speak up. Um, and then I feel like men are just generally better at this. And I, I mean, all generalizations are wrong. Like I get that, <laughs> but, but just humor me for a minute. I would say women fall prey to this on a more regular basis that we struggle with speaking up when something's not consistent with our values or not consistent with the way we want to do something or not consistent with the way that we want to be treated in any given situation. I see this in business. I see it in real life, you know, real life, you know what I mean? <laughs> because You know what I'm saying? In business and personal life and everything. And, and standing up for yourself is something that we don't teach young women in particular. I think we actually overtly teach it to young men. And I think that we don't teach it to young women. It's, it's harder to learn a couple decades later. So, so yeah. talk to me about this for a moment. There, yes, there's, and that's a, that's a lot of the reason why I do what I do now is it's, you know, this unbecoming, like we're, we're dismantling who we've been programmed to be. So again, that's why I'm always like, Hey, your mom probably didn't know any better. Your parents didn't know any better. Society doesn't know any better. Like we, all that matters is that we want to create a change, but regarding speaking up and really taking a stand for yourself, I would say this is very synonymous with people pleasing. Even if you don't identify as a people pleaser, like some people are really clear. I know that's me. And then some people are like, no, no, no. And I'm like, okay, so would you walk your dogs looking like a hobo or would you be super afraid of what the neighbors might think of your outfit? Then you're probably a people pleaser. You actually are concerned about what other people might think of you. You can start looking at these various behaviors where you really are highly invested in your reception. I'm going to talk about that in a second as well. But I think what you're pointing to is regarding speaking up, particularly as women, we buy into two major fallacies about what it means. So even if one of these doesn't apply to you, I want you to start asking yourself this question. What do I make it mean if I speak up? What do I make it mean? Right. Because I make it mean, then I I have a lot of self-confidence and I'm taking care of myself. Most people don't come to that conclusion. They say one of two things. They say, if I speak up, then I'm actually being a bitch. I'm being mean, right? The other is that I'm purposely trying to hurt somebody. My intent is one of malice. So those are two major fallacies because that is just what we've kind of been programmed to interpret standing up for ourselves or speaking up for ourselves to mean. It has a very different reality for myself and for, you know, for you and for many of my clients and students, once they realize that those don't have to be true. So one of the things that I love to talk to people about is just this idea, you know? And so if you're out there going, oh my gosh, I've been so invested in what all these people think, blah, 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 blah. And it has kept me silent, afraid to quote, rock the boat. I always say you are responsible for your intention, not your reception. So if it is your intent to be malicious, if it is your intent to flex your ego, then yeah, you might want to feel bad about that. You kind of are being a dick. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if your intent is pure, if it's one of self-care or of love, kindness, impact, honesty, authenticity, your side of the road is clean. The reception, although we like to think we can control it, we cannot control it. The reception is not our responsibility. So again, like that anecdote I shared earlier, 
you can tell the same story to five different people and they will receive it totally differently. On top of it, then we've been conditioned by our society, media, parents, relationships, whoever, that we have to try to make all five of those people happy. And then we kill ourselves and then we beat ourselves up when we can't force somebody to feel something about us. So it's, you know, one of my favorite things, if you're going into an interaction where you know that you're highly invested in what other people think, like let's say you are going to your class reunion. I have my 20 year coming up next year. And so I've already been using my tools. And so I always think flash forward when the uh, actual reunion is over that next morning. How do I want to feel about the woman that I was? What, what will make me proud of me? Because usually what we do is we go, okay, this will be successful as long as everybody thinks I'm the skinniest, as long as everybody compliments me on my amazing new career, as long as, you know, and we put all of this investment into things that we cannot ultimately control. So if you change that baseline and you go, oh, no, no, I call the shots. So how do I want to behave? What is the woman I want to be? I want to be authentic. I want to look people in the eye and really connect with them. I want to converse with people. I want to step outside of my comfort zone. I want to handle myself with grace and kindness no matter who I'm talking to. You can be sure that you win every time with that. That has nothing to do with how anyone else sees you. And if they do think you're awesome, fabulous. It just, it's like a bonus. So the antidote to people pleasing and perfectionism is liking yourself and wanting to live authentically? For sure. Your relationship to self permeates every behavior that you have. It's why people overeat. It's why they, you know, stay in abusive relationships. It is why they lead into addictions. They don't do it because they're like, yay, let's be an alcoholic. Or, you know, like, let me fall face first in this Ben and Jerry's. There's something underneath that right? Those are just symptoms. So a lot of this stuff that we're talking about are solutions to the symptoms, but you need to really get underneath and heal. And that's what, you know, a lot of personal development is about. And a lot about a lot of what I do under underneath all of that. It's kind of like the roots of the tree, so to speak. But yeah, I mean, it's a piece of your spiritual self, you know, like we're spirit walking around in this meat suit. <laughs> who is that inside, you know, and you're worthy already. Like there's nothing you need to do to become worthy. All of your ideas about worth are completely fabricated, you know? And so you get to change that. So a lot of this stuff is kind of like, wait, what? <laughs> so listen a handful of times, go check out other resources, but I remember when I was first introduced to these sorts of things and I was like, my, your first in, initial reaction is like, no, no, I do need everybody to love me. I, but you know, and then you go, wait a minute, wait a minute. And then I started realizing, holy hell, I have the, I have had the power this entire time and I can make these choices. I'm allowed to view speaking up for myself as massive self-love and self-care. 
I just feel like so many people are resonating with this and, and honestly that you're touching on something that's buried kind of deep down inside. And I think it's worth spending a moment here and really asking yourself some of these questions. And it sounds like at the end of the day, we all just want to be loved, right? At the end of the day, we just want to feel like we are enough. And I just, I wish I could look everybody, I wish I could look you all in the eye right now and just tell you, you are enough, like you have enough. But the truth is that's not even right because it doesn't come from the other. It has to boil up inside of you and come from that place inside of you, right? Not, not Ella telling you that you are enough and trying to convince you and not the loved one in your life or the person you're trying to impress or the people that follow you on Instagram telling you that you're like that. No, what you're saying is if you can truly spend some time here, I, I, I honestly, this is, this is an opinion, my two cents. I honestly believe that anyone that spends a little bit of time here will get the answers that they're seeking because they're there. So that's why I believe that. Like if you actually spend some time here, if I can go all meta on you for just a second, that you won't be denied the answer that you are enough because it's there. Like we're just not spending time with it. Well, we've already made up the answer that we're not enough. Until we unpack it out of our head, we just think that's the truth, period. Like it must be true that I'm not worthy or that I'm a fat ass or that I suck or, you know, I'm not a good parent or we just assume that that's all true because we've created that. So exactly what you're saying is so spot on. However you view yourself right now, you created that based off of whatever circumstances you've been around, whatever conclusions you've made about yourself. So just imagine what's possible when you create that consciously. I mean, it's incredible. But something that I think you you kind of touched on, which warrants underlining, is this this idea about beliefs, right? Like I I think that you and I share the same belief that we are already innately worthy. Like we are already valuable. And I didn't used to choose that. Nothing has changed except my choice and my belief. But we know that the only way in which to change a belief structure is to at least begin questioning it. So, I mean, you can see this in in people who end up breaking free from a very intense uh, cult that had rigid set of belief structures. The way in which they got out of that, that mental space was to begin to question, right? It's not an overnight. It's not snap of the fingers. And now I'm, you know, all of a sudden free from it. It's a picking apart at the corners. So that's what I would offer to all of you is Notice that initial reaction to say, no, but I I am not worthy. Okay, notice that. That's a belief you've already attached to. And now what if you just started picking at those corners and questioning it? Like, what if that girl Amy has some, maybe Ella's onto something. What if I could, what if I can just choose it? And, and like you said, stay in that space, start questioning it. What's the trajectory of your life look like attached to the belief that you're not enough versus attached to the belief that you are enough? What are the implications? Just thinking about it, journaling about it, listening to this over and over and over again. It's just a different message. That's all. And then you get to pick your truth. Amy, when you work with people in this regard, how do you help them start? 
I just think you've touched on some fundamental truths here and I don't want this to end. I don't want this to be just another podcast that people listen to and they feel amazing for 42 minutes and then they roll on with their day and they get beaten up all day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or there, it takes an hour before they're criticizing their appearance in the mirror or they're not good enough and they'll never, you know, they're not worthy. So, yeah. so can you leave us with some assignments or tools or tactics to, sure. to play with? Sure. So, and I have a, I have resources that you could really easily access for free if you don't mind me sharing those. I love it. No, no, no. We'll link to it. Tell us. Perfect. So one of the first things is I would start, I would start listening to the podcast that I have if this stuff is resonating with you, because I do a lot of step by step, you know, step one, step two, step three sort of thing. So you can kind of pick your poison if it is boundaries, if it's relationship to fear, if it's speaking up for yourself. And so you can start to target where it hurts the most, right? Like where are you the most unhappy? And in addition to that, I have a free e-workbook that I created that's also available in audiobook format that you can find at thejoyjunkie.com slash free. And that has nine different small bite-sized actionable steps you can take to start unpacking this a little bit at a deeper level. Additionally, if you were doing one thing today that you wanted to start shifting some of these older habits is I would start keeping a tally of your negative self-talk. Like anytime there's a voice in your head that goes off saying like, well, you're not as good of a parent as so-and-so when you go to pick up your kids from school or you look in the mirror and maybe you're highly triggered by your appearance. Just try this. Every time there's a negative thought, just say, well, there's a thought. (laughs) (laughs) Because what we do is we usually grab onto that thought and it becomes the vortex, right? And then we keep fostering that true story. This it's all it is is mental aerobics. It's just a workout for your mind. That's it. So yeah, and I would also as you kind of take this inventory throughout the day is I would really look at when is it heightened? When is it the loudest? So Oh, you, good question. You know, some people it's like they're so confident in their relationship, but holy shit, when it comes to their work life, you're like instantly reduced. Okay, cool. Now we've got some more information. Now we can start picking this apart. What do you tend to say to yourself and when? And then just acknowledge it for what it is, which is just a thought. It does not have to be true unless you adopt it. Well, and I love the question that you challenged us with, which is what am I making this mean? Because you could do that in that moment. I mean, people do this all the time where something happens. Like, for example, they're having a completely innocuous conversation, but they're triggered by something the other person says. Something the other person says makes them feel condescended to or makes them feel small. And I love the idea of saying negative thought, flag, (laughs) flag on the play. What am I making this mean? Because we do that all the time when we make up not just stories, but like narratives, you know, oh, yeah. we make up like Shakespearean <laughs> prose behind an interaction where the other person has literally no idea and no intent. That is so right on. And even just on a scientific level, when we ask ourselves questions, we innately want to answer. We want to find the response. Oh, like a mental hack then. Yeah. We're biologically programmed to want to find the answer. So if you ask yourself, whoa, where did that come from? 
Or what did I just make that mean? I, I mean, just questioning it. Amy, you've given us so much to think about. This has been amazing. Thank you. Oh, you're most welcome. Cool. Okay, so here's what I want to do. I want people to ponder this and I want to hear from you. Like, I love anecdotes. I love sharing your stories on the air. So I'd love for somebody to identify this in their own life and then share that story with me and say, I realized I was doing this with my husband. Like, I expected him to read my mind and he wasn't doing X, Y, Z. And it turns out he's not a mind reader. So <laughs> I put it out there and then I reinforced it. And this is what happened. Like, I'd love to hear those anecdotes from you guys. And meantime, go check out Amy. As you can hear, she's fabulous. Thank you so much. And again, you know, I have to underline that this was not my case 10 years ago. Like it was a journey. So just know wherever you are, you're not damaged. You're not beyond hope. And you have far more strength than you give yourself credit for. And you are enough. Thanks, Amy. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay, everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, just go to onairwithella.com where I put up links to all of the good stuff that we talked about today and more information about our guests and all the good stuff that you did not need to write down today because I got you covered. Don't forget to join our Facebook page and thanks for those phenomenal reviews in iTunes. Every great review helps and we read every one. Thanks for listening and thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.